here with us this morning. Thank you, Ashley. What an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. And I just have to say a huge thank you to Ed for having me back again. That's uh, very kind of you, Ed, to, to do that. And um, we are so grateful to God to be with you, to share God's word. Last time I was here was just a few months into the pandemic and we were online, and so there were no people in the chairs, and uh, so it's just great to be face-to-face and live and in fellowship and worshiping together as a community. Uh, what an honor uh, to be here as regional director of Feb Central, and uh, I just want to say a huge thank you to you as a church family, Springvale Church family. You are a big partner Uh, with Feb Central, prayer support, financial support. We are grateful for the many years of faithful partnership that you have shown uh, to Feb Central. For those of you who don't know, Feb Central is one of the regions of our national fellowship across Canada, coast to coast, 500 churches. Well, 290 of those churches are here in the Ontario region and English-speaking churches in Quebec. And um, we are uh, spread over one million square kilometers. Imagine that. And uh, you, again, are a partner in the process. We've been also grateful to have Ed Fontaine on our board for many years. And uh, Ed is uh, a huge support to me personally. And we're grateful uh, that you've loaned us to him to share in uh, partnership with us at Feb Central. So thank you in many different ways. Uh, you've been important partners with us. Uh, Through the pandemic, we have tried to continue to be on mission uh, in serving our churches to help them thrive in the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, on mission with the gospel. And so we've been doing that in a variety of different ways. Good news, even through the two years of the pandemic, we were able, in partnership with our churches, to plant 13 new churches. Is that not exciting? Praise God for that. And there are another eight churches that are in planning stages. Uh, We've continued uh, to have networks of leadership uh, uh, working together, developing our leadership. We've continued to be on mission, doing consultations, being out there, engaging with our churches, serving them in the best way we can. So we would appreciate your prayers. Our three central values are church planting, leadership development, and church health. And we just come alongside our churches helping them to thrive in those three critical areas. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Thank you for letting me give a little bit of an advertisement about Feb Central. We appreciate uh, you allowing us to do that. I'm going to ask you, um, well, do something with me. Take a deep breath in and then let it out. What is that? That is a beautiful gift from God, is it not? Life is a beautiful gift from God. The Bible says in Acts 17, life, breath, and everything else comes from God. My ability to walk up these stairs and be here in front of you, my ability to preach, my ability to think, uh, any of these, uh, these are gifts from God. From beginning to end, my life is about the grace of God. Your life is about the grace of God. And yet, as we have learned in the last two years, this beautiful gift is incredibly fragile, isn't it? Uh, 
I think we all sense that in this pandemic. And now, just as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, war breaks out in the Ukraine, right? There's a sense in which there's so much we don't control, so much we don't understand. And, and if the two years that have passed should teach us anything, should teach us how small we are. How vulnerable we are. And people have felt incredibly overwhelmed and vulnerable over these two years. And now, as I say, coming out of this, going into this, what's the future hold with Ukraine? And where are we going with all this? And now, people often, the powerful temptation when this happens is to respond, is it not, with fear and anxiety? I've noticed two kinds of responses in the pandemic. I, you know, you've heard of the fight and flight approaches to fear. <laughs> There's been the, the, the fight and flight approaches to the pandemic. There's the people who've you just retreated and withdrawn completely and tried to minimize all risk from really kind of disconnecting from life altogether. If I could just insulate and, and protect myself from this terrible virus. Others have turned the other way. Instead of flight, they've done the fight approach, which is they try to take control of everything in their lives. There's different ways we respond in the midst of fear and anxiety. But God obviously wants us to find our refuge in him and to find his peace in the storm. Remember the words of Jesus? He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus gives us what this world cannot give us. Peace with God, peace with one another, and the opportunity even for peace within ourselves. Through Jesus, we can enjoy a present and eternal peace from God, even in the most difficult of circumstances. But we don't experience this immediately when we trust in Jesus Christ. And here's where the big idea for this sermon comes in. God is calling us by faith to let the peace of God through Jesus Christ rule in our hearts and in our lives. to understand this peace, then to live in it, and then to give it away. If you want three ways to remember it, to see it, and then to savor it, to, to, to really take it in and, and experience it, and then to share it, to give it away. How do we do that? That's what our passage of scripture this morning, I believe, helps us with. How do we do that? How do we let the peace of Christ rule in our lives and in our hearts? So I'm going to invite you to please stand with me if you would, and I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and uh, I'll invite you to follow along as I uh, read these verses, and then we'll pray together and look at this text of Scripture. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that Jesus gives us something this world can never give us, your forever peace. Peace with you, peace with one another, peace within ourselves. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes and that you would just have the freedom to speak to each one of us by your spirit in ways that only you can through your word. We ask that you would be honored and glorified and we know what is for your glory is always, always for our good. And so we pray that you would reveal yourself to us today in a deeper way and change us from the inside out, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So there's always a context for a passage of scripture that we're studying, and there is one here. Paul is coming to the end of his letter with the Philippians, and he's giving them a series of practical commands uh, to help them grow in their Christian life. They're experiencing trials and challenges. If you go through the book, you'll notice they were experiencing persecution. They were experiencing financial difficulties, hardship, fractured relationships. And on top of all that, their spiritual leader, the apostle Paul, is in prison. And they were very much feeling the brokenness and the beauty of life. And with a pastor's heart, Paul sort of shares with them and us how, how it is that we can deal with all this stress of life and let the peace of Christ rule in our lives and in our hearts. And he gives a series of commands. So to help you remember them, I'm just gonna give you a visual. Uh, I'm summarizing the commands in these four ways and I'm gonna give you a visual. He's gonna say, uh, he's gonna say look up in faith. He's going to say, reach out in love, lift up in prayer, and drink in the word. So do that with me, would you? Okay, so we're going to look up in faith, we're going to reach out in love, we're going to lift up in prayer, and we're going to drink in the word of God. So that'll, we'll come back to that at the very end, and just, just a way to visually remember this passage. So let's look at the first one. First thing he says is, keep looking up in faith Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again just to drive it home, rejoice. Only way these Christians would find peace and joy is if they focus on God rather than on their circumstances or their environment. Seems pretty straightforward. The only way you and I can be contented in this life is when we focus on the Lord, not on everything else. Why is that? Well, the Lord doesn't change. Everything else does change. Jesus is completely stable. Everything else is unstable. Notice Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> Not rejoice in the brokenness of life. Rejoice in the Lord. And, and that's why he can say do it always. Why? Because the Lord never changes. His goodness and greatness never, ever changes. Isn't that good news? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says. That is great news. Out of all the gifts that God has given us, the greatest gift is the gift of himself. 
in his son. All the other gifts are beautiful but broken. Only Jesus is beautiful and unbroken. Right? And so Paul is saying here, focus on Jesus, if you will. Only Jesus is, 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 is capable of giving you the joy and the peace that you need. Choose a faith perspective, he's saying, that understands that our confidence is not in this fragile, fleeting, and fractured gift of life, but in what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do in my life. And knowing this, knowing that God won't waste anything in my life, but he'll use all the brokenness, he'll redeem it and convert it to give me more of the treasure of his son, the Bible says. That's what it says in Romans 8, 28. God works all things. He causes all things to work together for the good. What's the good? Conforming us to the likeness of Jesus, letting us taste and experience more of this unchanging treasure of Jesus Christ. You know, most people in the West are trying to control their environment, aren't they? Such that they can guarantee safety, guarantee comfort, guarantee happiness. If I could just get that better job, if I could just, if my kids would just behave, if my spouse would perform better, if only my environment would change, I could find peace, I could find happiness. But we know this doesn't work. Only God in Christ gives us a way to experience a stable peace and contentment in a very unstable world. You know that famous verse is just here in this text, actually, a few verses later, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, unfortunately, some people look at that verse and they misuse it. They say, look, what's your vision? What's your dream? Through the power of the living Christ, you can have it. Jesus will give it to you. You want that better job? You want this better whatever it is? Jesus will give. But that's actually not what that verse is saying at all. In fact, the verse before it, Paul, verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul isn't actually talking in verse 13 about changing your circumstances. He's saying, when you can't change your circumstances, here's by the power of the living Christ, you can have a consistent response to your constantly changing environment. Through Christ, the living Christ, I don't have to be a victim of that roller coaster ride called life. God, help me. Through Christ, I can choose this faith attitude. I can rejoice because I know that what is of ultimate worth can't be taken from me. We know that God makes everything through faith a servant to lead us to more of his son, Jesus Christ. And for that reason, I can always, always rejoice. Do you see it? So it's look up in faith. Get a bigger vision than the shifting reality of the circumstances of this world. There's a second way to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts and lives. Paul says, keep reaching out in love. Notice verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all, he says. The Lord is near. 
What's Paul's point here? The way to find peace and joy is by focusing on doing God's will, especially in loving others, reaching out in love. The New American Standard, I think, captures the sense of what Paul is getting here. Because you could read that and you say, well, is, 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 is Paul saying we just need to be nice people, gentle people? Is that what he's saying? No, I think much more than that. The New American Standard uh, translates verse 5 this way. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. In other words, he's not just talking about being nice or gentle. He's talking about gentleness, humility, kindness, patience in the midst of a hostile world. In other words, when you're, when you're living in a, in a world where it's hard to love people sometimes, he's saying, don't put a priority on your rights choosing to react in retaliation when others hurt you, but commit yourself to revealing God's Gracious, gentle, forgiving love to an often self-centered world. In other words, be completely different. Go upstream against what is natural and normal and the default position of being self-centered. He said, you know, do something that's completely unusual. You know, one of the most frequent causes, I think you would agree with me, of stress and anxiety in the context of our lives is from being wrongly treated by others around us. Wouldn't you agree? And sometimes the closer those people are to us, the more stressful it is. The temptation for all of us is to feed that cycle of hurt and self-centeredness by reacting in the same way that we have been treated But God calls us to follow Jesus down, giving up our rights and our privileges and to be the peacemaker. And when God sees, when people see God's peace operating us, that we are peacemakers, rather than escalators, if you will, they know there's something very, very different about us. Paul's saying, have the courage of faith to believe that God, not people, have the final word. Notice the text says, let your gentleness be known to all people, and then it says the Lord is near. He could simply be referring here to the constant presence of the Lord, or more likely, I would suggest, he's alluding to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He's saying, know that the the next step in God's plan is the coming again of Jesus. And the point being, whether it's the first one or the second one, is God knows and he sees and Jesus will have the final word. We don't have to vindicate ourselves. We don't have to be the general manager of the universe. God is on his throne and he will give the final perfect assessment and there'll be perfect justice given. The wrongs will be made right and the rights will be rewarded. And we don't have to do God's job. We can release that to him and say, God, I'm just gonna treat people as you have treated me, not as they deserve to be treated. I want you to think about someone in your life right now. I think most of us could easily come up with someone who's hurt us. Some of it may be more recent, some of it may be more long-term. And say, Lord, 
Reveal someone to me that I know has hurt me, and it's created anxiety and stress in my life, even fear. If, I would, if they were to come walking in this room, that would be a really anxious moment. Now, God, help me to do the hard work of loving as you have loved me, not because I deserved your love, but because of who you are and you have given up your rights and your privileges. Jesus left the throne room of heaven. He humbled himself and became a man and then he became our servant and he went all the way to the cross and was treated like a common criminal so that I could be right with you. I didn't get what I deserved. I got your grace, your gentleness even in the face of my rejection of you, my rebellion against you. Help me now to share that love that I've tasted. Help me to drink deeply of that love and give that away. Share that with someone who's hard to love. Whoever God brings to your mind says, that's not an easy person to love in my life. But God wants me to love them, not because they deserve it, but because I have been loved by God's son, and I didn't deserve it. Help me to be gentle with that person. Choose a, make a decision. Here's, here's the simple act I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write them an email. I'm gonna make a phone call. I'm gonna, whatever it is, away. Or next time I see them, this is how I'm gonna respond. God, give me your grace to respond in this gentle manner. Look up in faith. Reach out in love. What's the next one? Paul gives a third challenge that will help us access God's grace and God's peace and joy in his son, Jesus Christ. Keep lifting up in prayer. Look at verse six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're to lift up our burdens to a God who is more than able to handle what we cannot. We aren't, we aren't to be anxious about the past or the present or the future, but through prayer, we're to present our needs, this text says, with a thankful heart. Notice that? With a thankful heart, with gratitude. How do we do that when we're, when we're, when we're anxious? Well, it's, it's a perspective. It's realizing that I am, from beginning to end, a person of grace. God owes me nothing but his justice, but instead he's given me life, breath, and everything else, and then on top of that, he's given me his son. And so I can trust him. I can trust him totally. In this world where we live, people try different things, do they not, to cope with the stress of life, distractions, addictive substances, obsessive behaviors. And they're trying to numb the pain of the brokenness. And God says, no, don't do that. The only way to truly live in a beautiful but broken world is to be honest about the pain and then ask him to be God of that brokenness. Knowing that he's big enough, wise enough, powerful enough to know what it is we can and cannot handle. There's great news here. Did you know that God always, always, always hears the humble prayer of faith? 
God always hears the humble prayer of faith. He, he will either change the circumstance through his providence, through his supernatural intervention, through normal human means. He'll use different ways to change the circumstance for his glory, or he will change us to deal with the circumstance he has not changed. It's important that you remember that, that either way, those are answers to prayer, such that we'll be able to deal with that circumstance that hasn't changed. And, 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 and actually, it's interesting to think and reflect about this. So God will change the circumstance, and that is a revelation of his glory and goodness and greatness, or he will change us to deal with the circumstance. Now I ask you the question, which is the greater manifestation of his presence and power? The first one or this one? The answer actually is this one. Because any change of your circumstance is but a temporary reprieve from a fallen, broken world. (laughs) And I always use the illustration here, remembering Lazarus. Remember how God raised Lazarus, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Did you ever reflect on the fact that Lazarus had to die again? It was but a temporary reprieve. He had the ultimate miracle, but it but was a temporary reprieve. And part of what Jesus was teaching in John chapter 11 is that he is the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in him actually has resurrection life such that even if they die, they will live. <laughs> There's another kind of life that isn't about the fluctuating reality of our circumstances. It's forever eternal life that even in the face of broken circumstances, that cannot be taken away. It's forever. It's the treasure of Jesus Christ and God's son. And the truth is, if God changes you to be more like Jesus and you taste more deeply of him, you'll have something forever and eternal that you'll never lose. So this right here, the changing of me to be like Jesus It's the greater manifestation of his power and presence. Either way, he's with me and he's answering and he's revealing his glory and his goodness. And so, friends, we can never go wrong surrendering ourselves in prayer with gratitude to the one who is greater than all the brokenness that touches this world we live in, our world. There is a promise with this command. Notice verse seven. It isn't the disappearance of the struggle, but the reality of God's peace in it. A peace that passes, surpasses human understanding. So we put all of our stuff, if you will, in a garbage bag, that stuff that overwhelms us. We put it in a garbage bag. We lift it up to God in prayer. And God gives us a beautifully wrapped present, his peace that passes human understanding. Now, I'm pretty confident everybody who walked in here today probably walked in with something that's a bit of a heavy burden in some way. I want you to imagine right now some circumstances maybe that you're feeling the brokenness in and it's a bit of a burden. It's kind of almost like a backpack full of rocks and you're carrying that and it's heavy and you're feeling the burden of it. You feel the stress of it. You might even feel really anxious as I ask you to think about it. You might feel very fearful and I'm, I'm asking you to consider this morning just taking that backpack off, put it in the garbage bag 
right? And lift it up to God and see God giving you a beautiful wrapped present, his peace that passes all human understanding. He is with you. He is with you and there's nothing, nothing will ever separate you from his love and you cannot be stopped in Jesus Christ. Paul said, Romans 8, you are a conqueror. No matter what comes, nothing can separate you from the security of that love. This is great news. Paul says, literally, this peace in Christ will be a wall of protection around our hearts in our minds. God, thank you for that protection. Or to use another analogy, one that we all relate to, genuine prayer is a supernatural antibody that kills off the disease of fear and anxiety. Paul gives one final way to deal with the vulnerability. So he has said, look up in faith, reach out in love, lift up in prayer, and now he says, keep drinking in the word. Verse eight and nine. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying focus your life, your mind, your heart on the precepts and the principles and the promises of God's word. We are to replace this mental intake diet of pop and junk food of our culture, of the various voices in our culture with the milk and the meat of God's truth. Paul gives a list, you'll notice here, of the virtues that we are to stop and reflect on in our life. And his point is really not to give us an exhaustive list, but to focus us, to illustrate. In the last two phrases in verse 8, you notice there, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, he's just saying, whatever has moral and spiritual excellence and is pleasing to God, think in these ways. These are the things we should feed our mind on. God's truth. Voices are coming at us all the time. God says, think your thoughts after me. These thoughts or these things that he's giving here, I would like to suggest you could just as easily be a description of Jesus Christ. You remember the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, etc. really is not the fruit of the Spirit a reflection of the character of Jesus Christ? I think in the same way Paul's talking here, who could be more true, more noble, more right, more pure, more lovely than our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ? So fixate, if you will, on the beauty, on the treasure of Jesus Christ through the Word of God. See what God has given you. He hasn't just given you another gift from himself. He has given you the fullness of himself in his son. Dive into that. See it with clarity. Savor it and then share it. Give Jesus away to others. And of course, the goal here is not merely right thinking. Notice the text says, but life transformation. Practice these things, he says in verse 9. If you feed upon and live out the reality of God's truth, you will will possess this deep-seated 
rest and peace from God. Notice that's how he ends. He says there in that text, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, many people assume that anxiety and fear is the result of too much thinking. But in reality, it is the result of too little thinking in the right direction. In our culture, and religiously and popularly, if you will, meditation is seen as emptying your mind. Just empty your mind and become one with the universe. And the Bible says, no, meditation's actually the filling of our mind and our hearts with God's truth, his thinking. And we're all being shaped here today by various voices, media, parents, teachers, pastors, etc. The most important voice in each one of your lives is God himself through his word. So that should be the dominant voice shaping you, shaping all that you are. I, I, think, I think this has been a challenging season in COVID to do that, hasn't it? I don't know. Anyone confess with me how many times you got in that, that rabbit hole of social media and news through COVID? Yeah, I did it. And I came out feeling so edified, didn't I? <laughs> full of angst, full of frustration. Ah! I don't think I've ever, can ever genuinely say I've spent time with God and his word, letting his spirit speak to me and come out with that kind of angst, maybe correction, and, and that kind of challenged conviction, but, but that sense of building up and edification so that I can really live life to the fullest. I think we've all felt overwhelmed by what is going on in our world today. In addition, I'm confident that each of us have personal circumstances that you walk in today overwhelmed by. Might be your marriage, might be your health, might be your job. I don't know what it is, but you're feeling that sense of weight. And at some point, we've all felt the waves of life breaking over our heads and we have experienced emotions genuinely of anxiety, of fear, and even hopelessness. And the way God wants us to deal with this common human experience is very different than the way the world copes. God wants to give us his forever peace and joy in his son that will, will not be touched by the roller coaster ride of this thing called life. We are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Can you remember what they are? By looking up in faith, reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the word. Do it with me, okay? So let's do it together. Looking up in faith, reaching out in love, lifting up in prayer, and drinking in the word. I trust that you, through those four commands of Scripture, will see the way that you can not only see the peace that God gives in his son, but savor it and then share it and give it away. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you that fear, even though it will always knock at our door, we don't have to invite it to stay. 
Help us, dear God, to replace fear with faith and trust in you, in your goodness, in your greatness. Thank you that you promise us that you will never leave us or forsake us. You are our refuge. You are our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. And the demonstration, the ultimate demonstration of that is the gift of your son. Therefore, we will not fear. Even though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, thank you that we do not need to fear. Nothing will separate us from your son, the love that's in your son. We're grateful today. Help us to see it. Help us to savor it. And then help us to share it with others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.